Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. When I agreed to her doing that, uh, it wasn't in the plan for it to be that good. I almost uh, retitled my message, What Rhoda Said. But um, anyway, we'll just go with it. I'll do my best. I'll probably have to quote her a number of times during the message. Hey, listen, I'm so excited about this series. I've, I've just got a sense this is such an important thing for us as a church, but it's an important thing for us as individuals. And I mean this, whether you have only recently come to the Lord or only recently started going to church or whether you've been a Christian for many years because, you know, I, as I've re-engaged with this material, it's just uh, really underlined how important it is. As you've heard already, we're going to be looking at foundations. We're going to be looking at order and we're going to be looking at rhythm and how these can influence every area of our lives and this whole area of foundation uh, foundations came from Acts chapter 2 where we have the believers gathering together now you got to remember that the church is brand new the church is just emerging uh, there is a saviour that is uh, gone to heaven. They, 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 people have been called out of a Jewish culture and, and they're just out here. Don't forget, they didn't even have a New Testament. They didn't even have the Bible as we have it. They were just finding their way. But the foundations of what they of what they did were based around these verses in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 which says this that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship to breaking of bread and to prayer so in this new church brand new church finding their way They might not have known exactly what to do, but they knew, they said, right, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to mark us out from the crowd. We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now the word devoted, I mean, it's it's got several connotations even in this. It means to be set apart. It has the context of holiness to it. But basically, It's a decision that I'm going to make this a priority in my life. So by being devoted to these practices, they were making these things a priority in their life. So today, as you know, we are focusing on the apostles' teaching. And... I was thinking of how significant this was because when you, when you first come to God, you, you've got so many muddled views of what God is, of what the church is, of who you are. There's so many things you think, there's so many preconceived 
ideas, and, and, and by applying yourself to the teaching of the Word of God, then you can align you and your life with, with what God is saying. Now, there's got to be a little bit of an assumption here that as a follower of Jesus, as someone who's received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, that you have to have come to a point where you submit to the authority of God and His Word. You believe that the Bible is the Word of God and you choose to submit to its authority in your life. And you see, Jesus prayed even for this in John 17, 17, when these were important prayers because these were prayers that were being prayed just before Jesus went to the cross. But He prayed this to His Father. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. The Word of God is truth. That's why sometimes we can be presented with facts, but we have to speak truth to the facts. Rhoda mentioned it there at the end about the Valley of Dry Bones, which I'm not going to get into right now, but there was a fact that the valley was filled with dry bones, but when you spoke truth to them, they came to life. So sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Exposure to the apostles' teaching is going to save you from losing your way in life. Because by submitting to the Word of God, you learn to be guided by the Scriptures in your life and not just your feelings or your imagination. So we by submitting to God and His Word, we choose that His Word is going to be our roadmap and that we're not just going to allow our feelings and our imagination to guide us in life. They, they may play a role, of course. However, it is always passed through the filter of the Word of God. And, and you see, the Bible, the Bible teaches us many things. The Bible teaches us uh, what kind of husband I need to be. Teaches you what kind of wife you need to be. Teaches you what kind of attitude you need to have as a father. Teaches us how to handle our relationships with fellow believers, with church leaders, with people uh, uh, around us, even with our enemies. It teaches us how we need to respond to our enemies. It teaches us about our attitude and our responsibilities as an employee. It teaches about our attitude and our responsibilities as a boss. It teaches us how we should look after our money and, and how we should steward our money and, and put God first in our spending. It teaches about sex and sexuality and what a godly approach should be. So if you would consider yourself 
to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Bible needs to be taken seriously. First Peter 5 says this, he says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. See that word humble there, humble yourself. Notice, notice who's doing the humbling. You have a responsibility to humble you. And that word humble means to assign to a lower rank. To assign to a lower rank. To bring under. To submit. Sub means under, like subway. Subway takes you under. Submission means that I put my mission under God's mission. So I submit to God, I put myself under Him, I submit to His Word. That's what humbling myself means. It doesn't mean that I haven't got opinions, it doesn't mean that I haven't got thoughts, it doesn't mean I haven't got views, but I choose to humble those things, to assign them to a lower rank and give authority to Jesus. You see, there is something that is released in preaching. And I want to say that because, I mean, I could do a series just on the Word of God. I mean, we could do a series, but I'm not just here to talk to you about the Word of God today. I'm here to talk to you about the Apostles' teaching. It's it's not only the Word of God that's inherent, but it's also about the act of teaching, that they they expose themselves to the teaching of the Apostles. And something happens through this moment. See, I believe, I believe in technology. I believe that we can use all those things to the glory of God. Those things are not foundational. They're just part of the picture. You know, we are going to be that kind of church. We love media. We're going to, but, but this moment is never ever going to be taken over by technology because there's something released in this. In fact, Paul mentioned something about it in 1 Corinthians when writing to the Corinthian church. He talked about the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. He goes on to say that in verse 21, he says, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. You can't know God through human wisdom. But he said he has, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. There's something that God has decided to limit himself to a human vessel. And something powerful happens in the spiritual realm as the preacher preaches. God uses a human being with all their limitations, with all that they are and all that they aren't, God uses a human being through which He allows His Spirit to come and to speak. So preaching is not just a motivational talk. The preach word is never just about information. It should be about 
revelation. Preaching is not just about you hearing things you like, hearing things you want to hear. Whilst you may be entertained through preaching, it's not about entertainment. There is a spiritual interaction that is seeking to get a reaction. Preaching is a spiritual interaction that is seeking to get a reaction. Now, when I say that, I want you to understand, and I'm going to talk about it a little little later on. I'm not just alluding to how responsive you are in the service. I'm alluding to the fact that the reaction is something that you carry out of this place. That you have engaged with the Word of God. That it is, it has touched you. It has spoken to you about an area of your life, and you take that with you, and therefore you you react to the interaction. You react to what the Spirit of God has engaged with you about, because the Word of God is supposed to make an impact. It's supposed to bring change. This is a serious moment. That's why anybody who gets up here, this is, this is not an easy platform to preach from. It's not an easy platform to learn from. Because we, we, we have extremely high standards because we believe in the power of this moment. And, and the truth is that, that, that what has the the. the what has the power to release life also has the power to release death. And if you're not releasing life, you're releasing death. Because there's no in-between ground. So you, you, uh, when you speak, it's not just about what's being said. It's about the vessel From whom the word of God, through whom the word of God is passing. So it's not just about whether you've got communication gifts or or whether you can hold yourself in public or whether you know how to work a crowd. It's It's not about that because you can give a good performance and people will leave with nothing. Because it's not about the performance. It is the interaction between the, the Spirit of God passing through you, through, through a man, a woman of character, and that Word being released, anointed to the hearts of the hearers. Because it's so powerful, that's why the enemy will seek to ruin this moment one way or another. Why? Because he's trying to stop you getting the oxygen. He's trying to stop you getting the stuff that you need to hear. So if there's any way on a Sunday morning, on the way to church, in the car park, before the service, if there's any way he can upset you, if there's any way he can distract you, if there's any way he can put you to sleep and I'm trying not to look anywhere as I say that but in in all seriousness and some people consistently sleep 
That means they're consistently being robbed. Now, of course, sleeping is a little more obvious. Distraction is not as easy to spot. Because Christians are just really amazing at putting on the show. We have managed to, to perfect it down to a fine art where we can raise our hands and be thinking about what I'm having for lunch. And maybe I need to pop into Asda on the way back. Or maybe I'll actually go into Sainsbury's because it's closer. And then, oh my gosh, I've got that meeting this week. And hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is good. And uh, oh my gosh, I've got to take the kids to swimming club on Thursday. Oh my, I've got a, such a busy... And, and, and yet we can, going, we can be going through all the actions that we're engaged. But we're completely distracted. You see, we have to work at being devoted to the teaching of God's Word. We have to work at being devoted to the teaching of God's Word. Why? Because it's not just about the voice of the preacher. It's about the voice in your own head. Because the preacher is preaching, but while the preacher is preaching... There is a voice in your head that is also talking. And that voice is a powerful voice. It can work for you or it can work against you. Let me give you an example. In the, book, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus coming to his hometown, Matthew 13, began teaching the people in the synagogue and they were amazed. Say amazed. amazed. They were saying, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? And then it was like there was a moment. And he said, wait a minute. Isn't this the um, carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offence at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own, own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You see, those people were listening to the preaching. And let me tell you, I don't even have to ask the question whether Jesus was anointed. Because that would have been anointed speaking. No wonder, no wonder they were amazed. No wonder they were amazed. They were, but, but they went from a position of amazement to offence. Because of the voice, the things they were saying to themselves in their own head. Now I want you to compare this with an account in Mark 5 where a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years 
she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because, watch, she thought. She thought. Thinking is what I'm saying to myself in my own head. It's the voice in her head. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, the bleeding stopped. You see, in one scenario, you've got the voice in people's own head robbing them of a miracle. But in this scenario, you've got a woman who has got a voice in her head that is giving her access to a miracle that nobody else is getting. Because the reality is that people were all around Jesus. People were pressing into Jesus. People were touching him. You see, you can follow Jesus. You can be a fan of Jesus. But you will not access what is there unless you avail yourself of the faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith will influence the voice that I have in my own head, the things I say to myself. And that will give me access to the miraculous. How exciting though, that even if the crowd doesn't get it, as long as somebody gets it, they're going to get the miracle. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. They might be hanging around Jesus. They might be closer to Jesus than you. But you are carrying something that is going to get you to touch the hem of his garment. And you are going to get the miracle that you have been seeking for. So, There is something powerful by making sure that my thoughts, my thinking is aligned with with God and his word. Now I'm going to, you know, how, how can we make sure, how can we make sure that there is a great sermon and we are impacted by it? So, A preacher's job is to pray to God. Well, before that, a preacher's job is to be living a life that is God-honoring. Because we've already established that's not just about saying the right things. A preacher's job is to be live a God-honoring life and then they will have the privilege of being used by God. They believe that they will hear God that God will speak to them and God will speak through them. And that is absolutely the expectation of everyone who climbs on this platform or any platform that we have as a church, that people will have sought God, they will have prayed, they will have believed to receive words from God that they will then share. It's not just about sharing a thought. It's not about sharing a little bit of a joke and three quick points and that you could have Googled uh, on psychology today. And, you know, and, and everyone just leaves with a, a few little motivational pointers. We're talking about the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. And the Word of God changes lives and, and it, changes, it changes mindsets. 
So the preacher, every preacher who stands on this platform, and I believe it is the responsibility of any preacher who stands on any platform, that this is their responsibility. But I've come to let you know that you've got responsibilities too. See, Ephesians 6, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians church, he said, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So let me ask the question, you know the last time you were complaining about the preacher or the last time you were complaining about the sermon? I want to ask you, how much prayer did you put into that? Because my Bible tells me that each week we should be praying for the preacher. Pray also for me. I would want to, wouldn't it be amazing if every preacher who stands on this platform gets up here knowing that, that the, their congregational family has been praying for them, that they will have heard from God and that words will be given to them, that they would make known the mystery of the gospel. Let release revelation. And I love the fact that he finishes it off by saying, and pray that I may declare it fearlessly. Because you know what? Some things aren't that easy to say. Because some things aren't that easy to hear. And some things aren't that easy to say to people who are hearing things they don't want to hear and they're looking at you that face like. (laughs) But, But we should be the kind of people who are saying, even if we don't like it, If it comes from God, we need to hear it. So we have to understand that the caliber, the quality of the preaching, you have a say in because you have a pray in it. And if you have a pray in it, you have an influence in it. So next time someone's complaining to you that they didn't didn't enjoy the sermon or they didn't get much out of it, ask them, how much did you pray for that sermon? Okay, maybe not. So I thought to myself, because I want to give you some practical things. I want to give you some practical things of of how you can engage with the Word of God, how you can engage with the teaching uh, so so that it can practically influence your life. And I've got seven errs. I wish it was seven R's. But you'll understand, it's not seven R's, it's seven errs. And, And I'll get to that in just a moment. So, oh, 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 see, the thing is this. You hold yourself differently when you're ready. You hold yourself differently 
when you're expectant to receive something. Otherwise, you might not catch it or it might just bounce off you. My first point is, my first is readiness. You've got to be ready. Are you ready? How expectant are you that you're going to hear something today or any day that comes from the heart of God specifically for you and for your life? Did you pray? You may have prayed. God, speak to me today. I need a word from you. I need to hear something for my situation. I need to hear something about that issue that I'm working through or that thing that I'm going to face in the week. You hold yourself differently. You, you, your body language, when you're ready, when you're expectant, even your body language is different. Secondly, receptive. Are you receptive? Are you teachable? It's one thing to hear it. Are you able to receive it? Do you believe that the Word of God is powerful and effective? Do you believe that the preacher has waited on God and believed that he's sharing something from the heart of God? You might have a preference of style. You might have a preference of preacher. God is not interested in your preference of style and God is not interested in your preference of preacher because God can use a donkey to speak if he chooses to. What's most important is not who's saying it, but what's being said. And is your heart open to receive what God is saying to you? I actually believe that sometimes God will choose a vessel you do not like to say some things to you you need to hear. We'll move on because I don't want to upset everybody too soon. But you know, do you believe that applying the Word of God to your life can change your life? And if not, why are you here? Why are you here? Honestly, you may as well just go to Asda. You might as well just go to the cafe and plan that meeting rather than being here. But if you're here, be here. Don't just be here in your body. Be in your mind. Be here with your attention. Be here with your focus. Apply yourself to the moment. Thirdly, respond. Respond. Rhoda talks about agreement. There is power in agreement. When I know, I know there, there is power in response. And let me tell you this. Let me tell you. Let me just disabuse your mind. This is nothing to do with culture or American culture or T.D. Jakes or anything like this. It is an atmosphere of faith that calls out something. I'm not just giving mental assent something. You know that when you preach into an environment where there's hunger, 
When you preach into an environment where there is receptivity, something gets caught out of you that isn't even on your notes. Deep calls to deep. There is something, there is something that happens in the spiritual realm that causes what is in that spirit of hunger to, to call something out of the preacher that you would not otherwise have got. That is the power of agreement. It's the power of being responsive, even to nod, to smile, but to say, say something. Say an amen. Come into agreement. You know, sometimes I will, I will, I'll, I'll get you to confess something, or some of the other guys, or will get you to say something to one another, and you see some people actively choose not to do it because they went, "I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. We're not that kind of church." Who does he think he is? It's nothing to do with that. Why? When when we get you to confess something. It's because there are some things that you need to hear come out of your mouth. You may be saying it to someone else, but while you're saying it to somebody else, you are hearing it come out of your own mouth. Now let me explain that moment to you. You are the only person in the world who hears you like you hear you. Nobody else hears you like you hear you. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, whenever you've been recorded or videoed and you hear your voice being played back, you go, do I sound like that? Do I sound like that? And everyone's going, uh, yeah. That's what you sound like. I don't, I don't know I sound like that. But why? Because... When you hear it played back to you, but the voice, when you hear you in your own head, you, you hear yourself in a very unique way. You believe you. That's why you need to hear you say some things. Because you might not believe me, but you will believe you when you say those things. There is power in agreement. And I would want to remind you that you will get what you otherwise might not have got because I have illustrated the fact that when people listen to a voice in their own head that robs them of their amazement, they produce an atmosphere that limits God, that limits the possibility of the miraculous because they allow themselves to be robbed of faith and robbed of amazement. That's why even Jesus could not, even God himself could not do many miracles in that place because the power of the voice in their own head was too strong. But it also works the other way where there is agreement where our inner voices agree together and we, we come in agreement, we create an atmosphere in which the miraculous can take place. And miracles will take place in that atmosphere of faith. And that's why when, when we confess something, when we release something, we change the atmosphere. 
We change the atmosphere. We have the power to change the atmosphere. That's why, I mean, don't get me started. That's why we need to come ready to worship. Why? Because the enemy wants to do everything that he can to stop the supernatural impact of this environment. That's why some of you have your worst, most disorganized morning of the week on a Sunday morning. Because the, the enemy wants to get you all worked up and head up. And, and so you get here and you say, morning, morning. Oh yeah, great week. Thank you. You're lying through your teeth. You've not had a great week. And, and, you say, and, you, and you're there. And, then, and that's when we, that's when we look out and see these faces you are a great God I mean you don't look like you've got faith to do up your own shoelaces I mean it's it's why that's because of the white noise that the enemy has sought to generate because if you don't understand how powerful this moment is he absolutely knows how powerful this moment is and that's why he's trying to rob you of it. Next point, this is why you understand why I've had to use R instead of R because write notes. <laughs> write notes. The, someone once said, the weakest ink is better than the strongest mind. And I think, I, I said, um, Paul Scanlon helped me with this. Um, when he said, you know, when, you write, when you're taking notes, you don't have to write down the whole sermon. If you want to, You've seen uh, Annie talk about it. We got it available on podcast. If you want to listen to the whole sermon again, you can listen to the whole sermon again, 99% of the time. But when you write things down, write down things that have been, that, that, that have been spoken to you. That God, the Spirit of God has spoken to you. Now that may be sometimes... The Spirit of God will, you'll hear the sermon, but something else will get sparked and you'll need to think about it. So write it down. Maybe, maybe, maybe you work better with images. It might work better to draw a picture or some of you, you might find it better, to, easier to concentrate if you're writing. Interestingly, there's some scientific proof that would say you remember more when you physically write things down than typing it into your phone or your iPad. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you have a record of the things that God has said to you. And let me tell you something. I am surprised. I've got a reasonably good mind, but I'm surprised. When I go back and read my journal, I, I, I am amazed at my capacity to forget. And even some of you think you're good and you remember everything. If you discipline yourself to write some stiff stuff down and you went back to read it, you also would be amazed how much you'd forgotten. Next point, repeat. Repeat. When you, when you get opportunity in the, in the light room or with your husband or wife or with your friend or in your life group or in another context, repeat the things that you felt God say to you. Speak them out, confess them. You know, I just feel... I, I, you know, it was all great, but you know the thing that really got me today, the thing that really spoke to me was this. And, 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 and repeat it because there is power in you hearing yourself say it. Review. That's why it's good to write things down. Review it in your quiet time in the week when, you, when you're taking a time to pray and think about what's being said. And, you know, to be honest, and sometimes I've, I've tried it. You know, some people don't make it out the door before you've forgotten what you said. 
You know, I've, I've even tried it. You know, someone said, oh, great word, Pastor. Great word. Amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Which bit was it that really impacted you the most? <clears throat> um, no, like, I mean, it was awesome. You need to know. It was really, I mean, wow. Goodness. Really touched my spirit. It was um, that bit. Um, oh, you know, like, I can't remember right now, but it was awesome, hey? It was amazing. It's like, you haven't even made it out of the door. Never mind made it to Wednesday. <laughs> so re- write it down so you can review it and then reflect upon it. Seventhly, reflect, meditate on it. But there's something powerful as you chew over, digest and reflect on what God is saying to you. See, I want to just... In coming towards a landing, reminders of a couple of things that are going on. When we are engaging with the preaching of the Word of God, there is a coming together of the Word, the Bible, the Word, the spoken Word, and the Spirit of God. The Spirit and the Word. You see, the Spirit and the Word, when they come together, they create. Let me show you what I mean. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said. The Spirit of God was hovering And God said, the Spirit and the Word came together and there was creation. Let there be light and there was light. See, John, in the Gospel of John, he put it this way, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. See, Jesus is the Word. He is the physical manifestation of the thoughts and personality of God. It's like when I speak or when you speak, those words are the manifestation of my thoughts and my personality. Jesus is the Word. He is the physical personification, the manifestation of an invisible God. That's why in Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel came to speak to Mary and told her that she was going to be with child, even though she was a virgin, no wonder she said, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, verse 35, the Holy Spirit, will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, because 
when the Spirit came together with Jesus, who is the Word, there was creation. That's why Mary did not need to know a man because the Spirit and the Word came together and there was creation. The Word became flesh, John tells us, and dwelt amongst us. And this is what I want you to understand. Similarly, in this environment, when the Word and the Spirit come together, we are meant to conceive something. We are meant to conceive something in the Spirit because something is created. And there are some things that are meant to carry for a while. There are some things that are meant to grow within me. There are some things that are meant to work within me for a while because I'm meant to bring some things to birth. And those things that are being brought to birth are things that are being conceived in the Spirit, by the Spirit, through the Word of God. That's why this is no ordinary moment. Because God wants you to carry some things. He wants you to be pregnant with some dreams. He wants you to be pregnant with a business. He wants you to be pregnant with a teaching practice. He wants you to be pregnant with a book. He wants you to be pregnant with a song. He wants you to be pregnant with some music. He wants you to be pregnant with childcare. He wants you to be pregnant with something that is going to change the world. And you conceive here today in the presence of Almighty God through the Word and through the Spirit. And I just want to hear some people of faith give the Lord a clap offering. He is good. He is ready. He is able. He is powerful. God is a great God. And that's why we need the teaching of the Word of God. God bless you. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.